Lord, enable us to see Christ and rest in Him. Lord, we thank You for Your grace and mercy to us. Lord, we ask Your forgiveness upon us, Lord. Lord, how we thank You for our Savior. Lord, again, we pray You'd enable us to, to see Him and rest in Him. Rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for our young ones, how we, we thank you for the many young ones you've blessed us with. Lord, that you'd protect and keep them. Lord, above all, that you would be merciful to them. Lord, reveal Christ to them. Now again, we, we pray for your presence here this evening. Lord, that you'd set aside the thoughts and cares of this world. Let us see Christ. And Lord, in all that's said and done, Lord, that you might get glory to thy great name. For it's in Christ's name we pray and give thee thanks. Amen. I'd ask you again to turn to Psalm 37 if you're not already there. And uh, I was thinking about this uh, while you're turning. We, it's been a few years back, but there were several men from this congregation that went down to uh, Pikeville. There'd been, a, there'd been a big flood down there, and uh, several of the men had went down and, and worked. Um, and it was, uh, if you, for those of you there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was dirty. It was hot. It was just, uh, the, the conditions, they, they, weren't, they weren't pleasant. I mean, you, you think of mud, but... When you've got that much water rolling, uh, there's there's a lot more churn in there than just than just mud, um, just just dirty dirty conditions, uh, sewage floating. Uh, Bob, I remember you uh, you sprayed off Luke and Mitchell with the pressure washer before they could even go in the building and and change clothes. I mean, it was uh, just just dirty conditions, and but on the way home. Uh, we hadn't even got out of Pikeville, and we were—I'm telling you—we were—we were dirty, we were hungry, we were—we were tired, and uh, I, I'll remember these four because we rode together. But, but uh, me and and uh, Gene, Earl, and Dale were riding together, and before we come out of Pikeville, there was a little gas station up on the right-hand side of the road, and Gene said, "Stop here for a minute." We pulled off the road, and he come back. He come back to the truck. And he had four of the coldest Pepsis I think I've ever I've ever had, and four Snickers bars. And I tell you, it hit the spot. It it. I mean, I love a candy bar and a pop any day of the week, but but that was just that was just good. And I and I thought about this. We were we were again we were we were just exhausted from the day. But but I tell you that that was sweet. It was cool, and it was it was refreshing. It just it just hit the spot. And I I was thinking about that this evening. You know, we 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 come here something about that midweek, and 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 we're tired. You know, we're we're wore out, we're exhausted, and we need we need a refreshing. And I and I pray the Lord would give us that this evening from this this text here in in Psalm thirty seven. Look at verse. 39. But the salvation of the righteous 
is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. David, David wrote this psalm. And if you look at verse 25, he says, I've been, I've been young, and now I'm old. This was, a, this was a psalm written out of experience. David, uh, he'd seen some things. He had uh, he'd ex- he'd experienced some things. He'd spent some time on the mountain, and... Uh, well, he spent a lot of time down in the down in the valley as well. Uh, he was a shepherd. Well, that's the first first thing we read about David. He was a, a shepherd out keeping his keeping his father's father's sheep. And uh, come to a time he slew Goliath. Well, he must he must have been the the hero of the town. Can you imagine how he was celebrated? Just literally on on top of the world. He was anointed king over, over his brethren. Uh, you know, they were, they were pretty furious about that. Here's David, anointed, anointed king. But then we see David in the valley too, don't we? He had uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba, the, the wife of Uriah. And then he murdered, basically murdered Uriah to cover, trying to cover his sin. Out there on the battlefield, said, said, draw back and just let the opposing army have him. He lost a child. Um, he experienced trouble in his in his household. Um, and then we we know he, he at one point he numbered his army. He said, go out and count our men and let's see how we kind of how we match up against the enemy, rather than rather than just trusting in the Lord who had delivered him over. And over again, and that plague. Can you imagine? The, I imagine there was great guilt on David when that he he said he said, uh, "Let's fall into the hand of the Lord." And seventy thousand of his people were were killed before that plague was. The Lord was pleased to stop that stop that plague. I imagine he suffered great guilt over. This we know of David. David was a sinner. A sinner saved by the grace of God. I can't imagine the things that are written in the Psalms. They they were inspired of God, but those things that happened to David over his life led him to write what's, what's there. In Acts 30, and, and all those things about David, I, it's funny, I, I, I did a little search today to see what, what, do you, what do you read on the internet about David. And all men wanted to talk about were the, were the high points in David's life, and about being David, being like David. They don't, mention, they don't mention David's sin. They don't mention all these things. And Acts 13.22 when, when God removed Saul, it says he raised up David to be their king, to whom he gave testimony. I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. Huh? 
which shall fulfill all my will. A sinner saved by the grace of God. Our Lord speaking to a group of Pharisees, he said this, he said, I came not to call the righteous. Who did he come to call? Who did he come to call? Who did he come to save? You know, I don't, I don't read anywhere in Scripture where it says he came to save Catholics. I don't, I don't see where it says he came to save Methodists. I don't see where it says he came to save Baptists. He, he came to save sinners. Sinners. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We read this in our Sunday school class Sunday morning. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul said this. He said, of whom I'm the chief. He didn't say whom I was the chief. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Sin is the, listen, sin is the work of man. Salvation is the work of Almighty God. Jonah said the same thing. He, he said, I'll sacrifice with the voice of thanksgiving. I'll pay the, pay the vows which I vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Jeremiah said the same thing. He said, truly is the Lord God our salvation. He's the salvation of Israel. And here in our text, David declares the same message. A message just as sweet and needful in our day. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. And whether it's the first time you're hearing this, or you've heard it many times over the years, these nine words are at the heart of the gospel. Gospel of God's free and sovereign grace. My salvation is of the Lord. My righteousness is of the Lord. It's all, it's all of Him. Brother Henry wrote this in one of his commentaries. He said, The banquet of mercy is served by one host, the Lord Jesus Christ. He prepared the feast. He invited the guest. He made them willing to come. And he clothed them in robes of righteousness. Spotless robes of righteousness. The salvation of every believer from start to finish is of the Lord. And this gospel message, it's for the old and young alike. In my Bible, beside this verse, I've I've written, and this is no original thought from me. Somebody said this, and I wrote it down. Words to live by. This is the testimony God has given us eternal life. and This life is in His Son. And these words, the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord, they're words to die by. Remember what Simeon said? When they, when they, when they brought that, that little child into the temple, when he saw the Lord, he said this. He said, let thy servant depart in peace. How's that possible? For mine eyes 
have seen thy salvation, huh? which you prepared before the face of all the people, a light to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Look at, uh, look at verse 38 of our, our text here in Psalm 37. It says, Transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. Transgressors, those that have rebelled against God. Transgressors, sinners, they shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked, those guilty of sin, says they'll, they'll be cut off. They'll perish. The end of sinful men, death. Does that sound, does that sound familiar? Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death. You know, it would be easy it would be easy for us to, to sit here this evening like that, like that self-righteous Pharisee with, with this thought. I, I, know some, I know some sinful people. I, I know some people who are much, much more sinful than I am. T turn over there to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You know, outwardly, this man, I, I, bet, I, bet, he was something to, I bet he was something to see. Huh? I'm sure he appeared justified. There are probably people around town thinking, boy, I wish I, was, I wish I was like him. Is this the man that went down to his house justified? Uh, read on in our text. Look at verse... 13, the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Almighty God saves sinners. When Adam fell, all the way back to the garden, we all fell. We all fell in Adam. Sinners by nature, sinners by birth, sinners by practice. Sinners. And it's not just what we do. Sin isn't just what we do. It's what we are. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I, that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It, it's this wicked, corrupt, 
sinful heart that every one of us is born with. Transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. Well, I'm thankful this this doesn't doesn't end at verse 38. Let's read on here. God's going to punish sin. That's, That's clear in the Scriptures. Look here. Look at that word, that three-letter word, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Now quickly, there's five things here I I want us to see about this statement this evening. This this blessed truth, this, this our hope, the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. And the first is this, it's sound doctrine. This is this this is solid teaching. In Revelation thirteen eight, we read that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from before, from before the foundation of the world. Almighty God planned and purposed the salvation, the redemption of His people from the beginning. It wasn't a, it wasn't an afterthought. Well, Adam fell. Now what am I going to do? No, God purposed this from the beginning. And what he plans and what he purposes, he's going to accomplish. Turn to, uh, turn to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. Look beginning with verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, I'll do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executes my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I'll also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Almighty God made the Lord Jesus Christ our surety, our representative, a federal head of an elect people. And those people were given to him, given to Christ to redeem them from sin and bring them to glory. In Adam, we die. In Christ, we live. In Adam, we're made sinners. In Christ, we're made the very righteousness of God. In Adam, we're separated from God. In Christ, we're brought to God. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might do what? Bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh and quickened by the Spirit. And this work, this work of salvation, it's his work. It's, it's entirely his work. Man, man, shares nothing, man shares nothing in it. It's the work of God. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. 
we were a sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Think about this. Almighty God made him, made the Lord Jesus Christ to be sin. He did that. He made him to be sin for us, for sinners. He who knew no sin, the spotless lamb of God, made him sin that we, that his people, might be made the righteousness of God in him. There on the cross, he suffered and died for the sins of his people. Redeemed us to God by his blood, by the shedding of his blood. And the scriptures say that by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, them that are set apart. Now, false religion, they don't buy into that, do they? They, they, they say this, that God has done all that he can. And, and now it's, it's up to man to, to, to make a decision, to take a step, to do, to do something. There's one glaring problem with that. A dead man can't do anything. A, a dead man can't, can't take a step. Imagine walking out of here and, and heading out to the cemetery somewhere and standing out there and, and just asking people if they, if they want to live, just, just come up out of the grave. Well, somebody come and, and I don't know if they still do this, they put a white jacket on you and haul you, and haul you off. Yet men stand behind pulpits week after week and, and tell that to folks. A dead man, listen, a dead man can't hear. A dead man can't make a decision. A dead man can't take a step. And that's our condition. That's how the scriptures de describe us. Dead in trespasses and sin. Spiritually dead. And only, only God can give life. Scriptures say his people are made willing in the day of his power. It's all, it's all of him. The entire work. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Second, it's a, it's a fact. It's a, it's a necessary fact. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. It must be so, or there is no salvation. There is no salvation apart from Christ. God's word declares there's no, none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. C consider the... Uh, the, the children of Israel, there at the, there at the Red Sea, Pharaoh and, and his armies approaching. And the children of Israel, it says they were, they were so afraid. They were scared to death. And they, they cried out. They said, uh, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Was there not enough space there in Egypt to bury us that you drug us out here in the wilderness to die? And... Uh, Moses spoke to the people and he, he, told them, he told them exactly what to do. First he said this, he said, fear not. Fear not. And then he said this, stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He'll show it to you. He'll show it to you this, this day. 
Isn't that the same thing we read right here? The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. It's, it's a necessary fact. Huh? Only he can save. That leper, that leper said, Lord, I've decided to let you save me. That's foolishness, isn't it? What did he say? Lord, if you will, if you will, you can make me whole. Turn to, uh, turn to Acts chapter 4. That impotent man had just been, been healed. And look look here at verse 10. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, that this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Third, what a sweet consolation. Is that statement, a, let me ask you, is that statement a consolation to you? Does that, does that comfort you? The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord? You know, if it's, a, if it's of anybody else, we're, we're hopeless. There, there would be no hope. See, I, I'm lost. I'm lost. And I would have no hope apart from Christ. Our best works. If we could, if we could just gather up everybody's in the building here this evening and put them together, they'd still be filthy rags. Our best works are filthy rags in the sight of God. You know, Naaman. Scriptures say this that he was a Naaman was a great man. That's what. That's what God's word says. It says he was a he was a, an honorable man. He was a mighty man. He he had wealth. He had influence. He had he had a letter from the king. But but you know what? None of that meant anything. Naaman was a leper. But here's the good news. There were many lepers, many lepers in Israel in the days of Elisha the prophet. One of them, one of them was God pleased to show mercy on. Huh? Remember that little, that little, that little maiden, that little servant girl that had been taken in a battle, and she said, uh, "If, if, would, would, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that's in Israel." 
it, it recovered of this. She knew something about that, that sweet consolation, didn't she? How about Simeon? We read about him earlier. What was he waiting on? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Listen, listen to the words of our Lord. Turn to, uh, turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Look at verse 27. This is our Lord speaking. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. That's comfort, isn't it? That's, that's, that's consolation. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Well, fourth, this statement, it's a reason for, for humility. And we, we definitely can use a dose of that from time to time, can't we? No room for pride. No room for boasting. We see this throughout the scriptures. Na- Naaman learned it. He had, to be, he had to be brought down, didn't he? He had to be brought down. David said, the Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar said, I praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth and those that walk in pride, he's able to abase. A reason for humility. No reason for pride. Listen, not when it's his work. Not when he's, not when he's done it all. Paul writing to the church at Rome, he said, if Abraham were justified by works, He'd have reason to glory. But not before God. Not in the sight of Almighty God. Who maketh thee, who maketh thee to differ? And, and what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, he said, why do you why do you glory in it? If we were able to earn a righteousness. Listen, we're not able to earn a righteousness and we still find things to glory in. But if we were able to earn a righteousness, we might glory before man, but just like Abraham, not before, not before Almighty God. We can't, we can't earn a righteousness. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to His own purpose and grace given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God's people are made righteous by the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then fifth, my, my final point, a reason, a reason for comfort and hope. Look, look, look with me back at our text here one more time. Psalm 37. Look at verse 39. 
But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength. David wrote in Psalm 27, he said, The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Here in our text, we read he's our He's our strength in in time of trouble. Verse 40. And the Lord shall. Listen to those three words. Don't, Don't just skip over that. The Lord shall. The Lord. Jehovah. Almighty God. Shall. He has power to save. He's able to save. And it says, He shall. What shall He do? He shall help them. That word, that word help there, it means to, to succor. And I looked this up. It means to help someone, especially someone who is suffering or in need. Does that describe us? Suffering, in need. In Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help. When? In time of need. Read on in our text. He shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them. Oh, deliver them from going down to the pit. I found a ransom. Complete deliverance. Not one. Scriptures say not one shall be lost. All that the Father hath given me, every one of them, he said, I'll lose, I'll lose nothing. But raise him up again at the last day. He'll lose nothing. I, I thought about this. I can't leave the house without losing my keys, without losing my billfold, without losing my license. And that's, I don't think that's a symptom of old age on my part because Abby will attest to it. I've always been that way. I can't, I can't remember the... The most am I the only one in the room that, stru- that that suffers from it? But listen, what will he lose? Nothing. Not not one. Read on. He shall deliver them from the wicked. Back there in Daniel three, Nebuchadnezzar had had set up that big idol. It's ninety feet tall, and he told the people. He said, "When the music starts playing, bow down. Everybody, bow down." He said, he said, bow down or do this or die. And um, I won't have you turn there, but, but listen, to, listen to the response. Ne- Nebuchadnezzar, he, he asked this question. He said, who is that God? Oh, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? You don't think we need to be brought down? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said that 
we're not careful. We're not careful to answer you. We don't have to, we don't have to think about what we're getting ready to say here. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will. He will deliver us out of your hand, O king. He delivers us from the wickedness of this world. He, he delivers us from the, from the wickedness. Listen, there's plenty of wickedness in this world, but there's, there's, enough, there's enough in our hearts to condemn us. He delivers us from the wickedness of ourselves. Paul writing to the Romans, he said, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? What was the answer? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Psalm 37, verse 40. He shall deliver them and save them. Remember Peter's cry? as he was walking to Christ on the water and he saw the waves boisterous and the wind. Pray he'd make this our prayer. Lord, save me or I perish. He's able to save to the uttermost them that come to God by him. That's reason for comfort, isn't it? Huh? The, the Lord... The Lord, he's their strength in the time of trouble. And he shall, listen, he shall help them. He shall deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked. He shall save them. Because they trust in him. And, and, and listen, before you put too much stock in that word because, I looked this up. That can be translated, and I think I like this translation better, surely. Surely they trust in him. Think about all he's done for his... How, how could we not? How could we not trust in him? Trust in the Lord. Well... I, I pray that we can go home thinking about this. We, we think about this when we lay our head down tonight and, and wake up in the morning. The salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Sean.